I Hear Voices Theatre Company presents Bentley Strange Trousers and the Dance of Doom Episode 2 The Heart of Darkness Previously on the adventures of Bentley Strange Trousers Good God! Strange Trousers! You're a German spy! And now, the continuation King and country, a German spy, you could be right. Quickly, professors, seal the building and walrus the car park. Notify the harbours and airlines to watch for a man matching my description, but tell them not to interfere. I'm deadly when I'm cornered, and besides, this is personal. Right, there's a mess, little woman. There's work to be done. This could be a matter of life and death. Right, I'm off for a glass of sherry. This calls for an immediate interrogation. I'll get the truth out of me. Just you watch. Good luck, sir. So, Bentley strange trousers, or should I say, Beamer Veard Pants? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you don't, do I? How very convenient that must be for me. Look, this has all been some terrible kind of mistake. Tell me, Veard Pants, is it safe? Is what safe? Don't play innocent with me. I've broken better men than you without breaking an egg, and that's no way to make an omelette sweat. I don't even understand what you're saying. Oh, you know all right, chummy. Now, either you start singing or the band play the last waltz and you'll be kicking air by dawn and then it's curtains for you. Well, that's me dealt with. (laughs) Excellent, strange trousers. About to make doubly certain you remain on the correct side of the Iron Curtain, take this chunk of Berlin Wall and a compass to ensure you remain due west of it at all times. Brilliant, Professor. With men like us, the future of the Empire is inevitable. Well, well, that was a delightful diversion, wasn't it? Now then, time to get down to the serious governmental business of the day. Who's for tea and biscuits? Later that same day, in the top-secret laboratories of the Department of Clandestine Investigation into inexplicable, terrifying and generally non-English-type things, Sir Professor Patrick Greatermass, OBE, MD, TNT, BA Baracus, and Head of Her Majesty the King's Own Royal Light Alien Dismemberment in the Name of Science and for the Empire Brigade, is about to make a most troubling discovery. Professor Little Woman! Professor Little Woman! Dash it all! What in the regal name of Jam and Her Majesty's scones is the source of this hideous cacophony? Really, Little Woman, I am labouring in a boiling crucible of cutting-edge top-secret government research and I can barely hear myself sleep. Professor, don't take us so. It's only the patients having a little bit of fun. A bit of fun? It sounds like an orchestra of Neanderthals attempting to mate with the score of Lieutenant Keith. DJ, what, what progressive devilry have you afforded them, little woman? Professor, they just seem to be getting rather picky cooped up in there all day with nothing to do, and I fancy they might be pining for the sounds of the shires. Pining for the sounds of the shires? So I thought if I gave them a bell or two to ring, it might take their little minds off their predicaments. And do you know what, Professor? I'm certain it's worked. Observe how perky they're 
looking now and how bright their little eyes are. Even their coats seem softer, don't they, Oakums? <laughs> little woman, desist in stroking the dung encrusted corduroy pelt of that dung encrusted corduroy loon. This is a laboratory, not a petting zoo. Why has Professor Lessermere stopped curtailed these vile examples of feminine emotional excess? Where is Professor Lessermere? Oh, he's out buying an exercise wheel for their cage. Oh, for pity's sake. Ah, strange trousers. Thank God for a man of reason. You haven't seen one, have you? Ah, Professor. How are you finding our latest house guests? Well, little woman seems to have taken quite a shine to them, although we uh, have a pair now and we're getting through newspaper at an alarming rate. So, Greater Mass, you have no idea yet what's causing all this. Well, I have a few theories, but none I'd care to elaborate upon until things have spun far farther out of control. And little woman's run additional tests on the uh, mutton chop brothers there. However, we have made some statistical progress. Um, uh, come over here. And right. take a look at this. Oh, no, no. Now, by employing those patient profiles you liberated from Dr. Meinmengler and cross-referencing them with the police and MI5 and 78's initial reports of incidents of SHY... Spontaneous human yokelization? Quite so, strange trousers. I believe we can discern a distinct geographical pattern. Now, hold the edge of this map. There's a good fellow. Now, tracing back each patient's movements from the moment of total bumpkination, whilst allowing for an average incubation period of, um, 24 hours, these yellow dots represent the locations where the victims were most likely exposed to whatever agent it was that triggered their vile metamorphosis. Now, as you can see, no cases of people regressing into rude savagery have as yet been reported in Wales or Scotland, although that is most likely due to an absence of any tangible cultural perspective. <laughs> as we travel southeast across the country, we see a smattering of cases in the Midlands, more in the home counties, a definite concentration in London. But now, take a look at East Anglia. Good God! As yellow as a jaundiced dress book in a turmeric grinding plant. Quite so. The contagion seems to be radiating outwards from a point somewhere due east of Norwich. It looks like everything began somewhere in the region of the Norfolk Broads. Possibly. But we have no reliable maps charting that far into the interior. <laughs> Perhaps. But there is one man who may be able to help. You don't mean... Of course not. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> Nevertheless, Norfolk is the place I must go. That is where my destiny is destined to determine my destination. And I think you know what I mean. You're out of your mind, strange trousers. Possibly. But it's where I do my best work. Oh. Well, off you go. And don't forget your concertina file. Ah, thank you. Well, adieu, old friend, until we meet again. For now, I must venture into the heart of darkness. And thus, Special Agent Bentley Strange Trousers embarks upon his voyage of discovery, and most of this episode's narration, in point of fact, allowing me to slip off down the pub for half an hour. Mine's a dark mild, if anyone's buying. Commander's Log, Day 1. Despite the terrible events which have necessitated this odyssey, 
I began my journey in high spirits. The sun was bright this morning and the wind charitable, despite last night's heavy dinner at the Carlton. I've so far made good speed, navigating up the entire length of the central line in just a day. I now stand at the exit of Newbury Park Tube. Behind me lies civilization. Before me lies Essex. Gateway to the lost kingdom of the Eastern Angles. However, the sun is low in the sky and I must make Brentwood before nightfall, or I am lost. And I fear my concertina file shall weigh heavily upon me. With these factors in mind, I intend to enlist the services of a native bearer. I say, you there, fellow. I'm in search of a local tribesman to assist in my passage. Well, I don't go south of the river if that's what you mean. Ah, no, no, I fear, sir. You're grasping the wrong end of my stick. I simply require transportation to Brentwood. Brentwood? I charge for going a distance. Ah, just like those boys in Morocco. (laughs) I can get you there before nightfall, but it'll cost you. I'll have you know, sir, I'm detained here on Her Majesty's service. I don't care if you're detained here at Her Majesty's pleasure. It'll still cost you. Oh, very well. Expense is no object. Now, what's all that about, then? Uh, forgive me, stout yeoman. That's merely my trusty concertina file. I don't take pets. They distress the seat lever. I can assure you, sir, this is an official Whitehall concertina file, and therefore entirely house-trained. Although it does, I concede, seem to possess a puzzling aversion to my utilisation of the department's expense account. Well, that's as maybe, but it goes in a boot. <laughs> My native guide was as good as his poorly enunciated word, and we arrived in the sleepy, tranquil village of Brentwood, just as the sun set, and the nocturnal music of Essex filled the starry heavens. Expedition Log, Day 2. We have idled a pleasant day travelling northeast, following the course of the A12, but as the lands become flatter and the skies broader, my guide becomes increasingly disquieted. I'll take you as far as Colchester, that's all. That's as far as I go. After that, you're on your own. I mean, I heard they got webbed fingers by the time you get out of Manning Tree. <laughs> and so, at Colchester, I bid farewell to my native bearer, only to encounter a bearer native. Hello, gorgeous. Fancy a quick one down the castle? I've got no knickers on. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, the traditional ritual greeting of the gentle maids of Essex. <laughs> no, thank you, my good woman. I fear I must decline your superlatively forthright invitation, for I'm currently looking for a soldier. Oh, you're bold, aren't you? <laughs> Damn it, you can tell this is a garrison town. <laughs> No, you misunderstand me. I am referring to a particular soldier on this occasion. Well, you'd best try the barracks. Turn right at the end of the high street, then follow your nose. The town hall clock was striking four as I dragged my concertina file through the gates of Hyderabad barracks. Platoons of men were on parade. Some were square bashing, others rhombus taunting, whilst their sergeant major merely hurled disparaging comments at isolated trapeziums. Call yourself a convict squadron lateral. You're a disgrace to Euclidean plain geometry. 
Now stop slouching and straighten up those vertices, you horrible little polygon! It is within this oasis of Englishness that I hope to find succour in the form of my old university charm and erstwhile ballroom dance partner, Brigadier Humphrey Sapper Ordnance. Ah, Bentley. Making good use, I see, of the officer's trouser press. Humpty old thing. There's a thousand thanks for letting me utilise Mr Corby's finest here. It's been two days in the same kex and my creases were losing definition. So this is one pressing engagement that's long overdue. And I think you know what I mean. Ah, uh, there's nothing quite like the feel of a freshly flattened pantaloon. Indeed. And if you wish, you can take them off whilst you're doing it. <laughs> and expose myself in the officers' quarters? Not likely. People might think something kinky was going on. Excuse me. Oh, mother, that feels good. <sighs> yes, well, I suppose you better make the most of it. That's the last accurately mapped trouser press in the whole of East Anglia. Good Lord, Humpty, are you sure? Well, there's a superstition. One of the village elders of Stowmarket wills the power of an electric iron. However... I personally suspect it's little more than local mumbo-jumbo. I mean, some of his men don't even wear a boiled shirt front at dinner. My God, Humphrey. How do these people endure such barbarism? I really couldn't say, Bentley. So what brings you to this godforsaken corner of our godforsaken empire? Your telegram was somewhat scant on detail. My apologies, old friend. I'm travelling on Her Majesty the King's business. All very hush-hush. As, uh, has word reached you of the spate of disappearances in London? What? All these bankers and lawyers vanishing, only to be found replaced by cider-drenched rustics? Ah, so you have heard. Sounds like a pretty rum do to me. Ah, it is indeed. And we have reason to believe the problem originated somewhere in the vicinity of the Norfolk Broads. I've been dispatched to investigate, but to do that I need to find an explorer familiar with the terrain and conversant with native customs. The Norfolk Broads? Are you insane? No white man has ventured that far up river and returned to tell the tale. Are you quite certain of that, Humphrey? Well, I suppose... I suppose there was one man. That's if you could call him a man. Many would deem him a myth, a legend, a demon, perhaps. Ah, so you do know who I mean. Damn you, strange trousers. Of course I know who you mean. But that doesn't mean I want to know who you mean. You know what I mean? I mean I know exactly what you mean. But enough pretty words. Brigadier, I need to know the last known location of our old friend, Colonel Horatio Schertz. Back in London, Professor Littlewoman is poised on the brink of a terrifying discovery. And still no sign of that dark mild, I notice. Cherie, perhaps? There's something you need to see. Uh, uh, dash it all, little woman. 
This better be important. Nude Scientist magazine are on the telephone, and they are simply begging me to be their Professor October naughty centre spread. Professor October? Indeed. I shall be artistically disporting myself on a particle accelerator between two freshly harvested pumpkins, attired in naught but a stethoscope and a firm grasp of wave function collapse. (laughs) Allow me to give you a demonstration. I'll just pop my clothes on this chair. Professor, no! This is no time for quantum nudity. You must come at once. Ah, a quickie, eh? Well, very well, girl. Lead on. Yes, and yes. What news? Your Eminence, I believe I'm on the verge of a monumental breakthrough of terrifying proportions. You fool, man. I warned you about purchasing those slim-fit continental underpants. <laughs> it's not the pants, your most willful misinterpretation. It's the patients. We think we may have discovered what triggered their marmoset metamorphosis. Uh, observe, Professor. Left unattended, the subjects seem content to burble meaninglessly or whittle at a stick. A lovely bit of elm, this do be. Appearing to be nothing more than perfectly harmless, if sartorially offensive, yeoman. Ideally suited to a life of reed-cutting, gate-mending, and cheerful, rosy-cheeked, forelock-tugging serfdom. However, note how their behaviour changes when I attempt to play this accordion. Inform Bentley immediately. Little woman, Her Majesty the King's telephonic apparatus this instant. I fear there is not a second to lose. So, Professor, I take it you believe the music is a factor in these unnatural transformations? I fear so, strange trousers, although I don't know if I would go as far as to dignify it with the label music. Listen, ass! Control that infernal instrument, damn you! Whether this caterwauling was the root cause of their yokelization, we cannot say. What is for certain is that when exposed to the audio pollution of fiddles, accordions, melodions, or other distributors of hellish thin sounds of a non-metropolitan nature, those already afflicted become violently agitated, prone to bizarre fits of popping, kicking, and strange incidences of regular repeated stick clacking. (laughs) Whatever you do, strange trousers, do not approach any of these fellows whilst they are seized by their primitive tribal rhythms. Duly noted, Professor. <laughs> Expedition log, day three. I rose early this morning. Well, pardon me anyway. <laughs> Having been dragged prematurely from the arms of Morpheus by the nasal trumpeting of the regiment's bugle boy, Next time, I really must ascertain as to whether they snore before inviting them back for coffee. <laughs> Today, I bid a fond farewell to Colchester Garrison and its superlative trouser press. I dressed gaily, but then decided trousers would be more practical. <laughs> and I was just finishing up my traditional steaming mug of English breakfast marmalade when I was disturbed by a knock at the door. That knock, in fact. Come! Ah, Bentley, old thing. I've heard you had a bally awful night's sleep. No need to fret, Humpty. I'm used to being up with the cock. (laughs) Yes, I've heard about that, too. (laughs) 
Now, Commander, I take it there's nothing I can do to persuade you to abandon this dashed dangerous idea of tracking down Colonel Schertz? No, I fear not. Look, old stick, Schertz has been AWOL since that nasty business in Gibraltar. He may be living in a cave, half out of his mind, perhaps even dead, or worse still, unable to accurately tie a passable half-Windsor. <laughs> even if you track him down, there's no guarantee he'll be willing or able to assist you. I appreciate your concern, Brigadier, but there's nothing you can say and nothing you can do to persuade me to dissuade myself. My mind is like a jelly that's set, a ham that's cured, and a bed after three minutes in the hands of an experienced housekeeper. Made up, turned down, and finished off with hospital corners. <laughs> and I think you know what I mean. Well, you can't say I didn't warn you. But before you go, you must inspect the regiment. The early morning sun was burnishing the quartermaster's weather vane as Brigadier Sapper Ordnance led me out onto the packed parade ground. I paused for a moment to drink in the magnificent spectacle of platoons of stout Englishmen marching in precise military synchronization. My chest swelled as I beheld these fellows, buttons blazing, rifles starched and trousers fully loaded. A last outpost of empire lost amidst an ocean of unspeakable savagery. Make you proud to be British, doesn't it, Bentley? Five hundred men, perfectly regulated, all moving as one. Good God, the Kazi must be hell first thing. <laughs> You're telling me. How do you keep them so regular? Diet, mainly. Three square meals a day, or four triangular ones, uh, when that's not feasible, but always the same. Porridge for breakfast, pork pie for lunch, mm -hmm. and roast beef with Norfolk mustard for dinner. All washed down with gallons of well-stewed, lukewarm, strangely brown, naffy tea. Inspirational hunters. Just listen to them. Brigadier, do you hear that? Hear what, Commander? That uh, jangling noise. It sounds... Well, almost like bells. Uh, I, I can't say as I do, my lover. What was that, Humphrey? I mean, I couldn't say, old stick. Oh, oh my God. It's happening here as well. What we have in my ear? For pity's sake, not you too, Humphrey. No, I mean to worm, my dearie Snap out of it, man. Abjure this vile yeomanry. Think of crisp bed linen, well-polished boots, blanket coal, and institutionalized violence. It's no use, Bentley. I can't resist it. I be in the thrall of the bells. The bells. Save yourself. Run. Run while you can. I escaped from that place of living death with nothing more than my concertina file, a chunk of the Berlin Wall, and an assortment of regimental evening wear. <laughs> well, one can't be too careful, can one? It now seems only a matter of time before the whole of the civilised English world falls victim to the siren song of cider and poorly considered facial hair. 
I redouble my resolve and plough on toward the Suffolk border, where I manage to flag down a local bearer. I, I could take you all the way across my native Suffolk. That as may be, but I also must secure passage for my concertina file. <gasps> a concertina file? Well, ain't he fancy? I remember when folks round here had to make do with travelling with an envelope to make themselves feel all cosmopolitan-like. <laughs> a concertina file. I never heard anything of the like before. <laughs> yes. Are you quite certain your uh, transportation will be up to the job? Up to the job? Up to the job, he says. I tell you, boy, just because we don't have all your fancy city odd rods out here, it don't mean we can't get ourselves from A to... From A to... Well, from A to whatever letter of the blooming alphaly bet we damn well wants to. <laughs> this here, I'll have you know, is the very latest in locally sourced, low-volume, commercially sustainable executive mobility facilitation. It's a cart. And a damn fine one, too. You don't honestly expect me to ride up there. <laughs> of course you're not riding up there with the driver. The very idea of it, no. Oh, no. You get to sit back here in the specially appointed deluxe passenger compartmentalisation. Just push the goat out of the way, you won't mind. Are you sure there'll be enough room? Enough room? I tell you, this vehicle be entirely commodious. Yeah, well, it certainly smells like a commode. <laughs> no, just give her a second while I get some fuel in the tank. Pass us the straw now, will he? Right, get your gnashes round that, Dobbin. And watch us fly. Expedition log, day 157. <laughs> Progress has slowed. We remain travelling northeast, still following the course of the A12, but as the Norfolk border approaches, my guide becomes increasingly disquieted. I'll take you as far as Halesworth, that's all. That's as far as I go. After that, you're on your own. I mean, I heard they all got tails by the time you get to this. <laughs> and so at Halesworth, I bid farewell to my Suffolk cabbie. On the other side of the border, I soon become aware of a grey-smocked, fulsomely bearded loon leering expectantly in my direction. He is wearing a filthy straw-thatched chauffeur's cap over dry-stone sunglasses and standing aside a corduroy-spotted pig upon which the legend Norfolk Luxury Cabs is stenciled in dung. <laughs> As I approach, the stranger greets me with the well-polished sales pitch of the consummate professional. <laughs> Excuse me one moment. <laughs> On this occasion, I decided to walk. <laughs> Expedition log, day 158. My journey into the heart of Norfolk is almost at an end. This morning, the languid, beguiling waters of the Broads lay spread before me. Upon them, I beheld a wide-bottomed steamer with a short funnel. 
and from him I hired a boat and continued my journey upon the river. As my barge chugs lazily upstream, I find myself wondering. Perhaps my quest to track down Colonel Schertz is nothing more than a wild goose chase for a red herring buried over the rainbow. And even if I do follow this yellow brick road, there's no guarantee the friend of Dorothy's I'll find myself in bed with when all that is said and done will have the appropriate wherewithal to rub me in the right direction and see if I salute. <laughs> and I think I know what I mean. Possibly. Nevertheless, everything started here upon the broads, and even if the colonel isn't connected to all this, it's just possible that he might... <coughs> My God, what was that? That sounded like the banshee scream of a tormented soul, damned to walk the earth for all eternity. I had no idea Cliff Richard was touring again. <laughs> You in the mists, show yourself. There's no need for concern. I am but a harmless professional assassin on a desperate mission for king and country. Uh, moreover, there's no ammunition in this cocked pistol I'm pointing directly at your head, as I recently expended it shooting dead a perfectly innocent bystander, thus clearly demonstrating you have absolutely nothing to fear from me. Hello? Oh my god, it's horror! Oh, horror! I don't feel any horror. <coughs> well, you haven't clearly tried smoking these damn cigarillo juniors. Rough as an armadillo's bike rack, I tell you. Good god, you're. Horatio shirts! Commander Bentley's strange trousers as I live and barely breathe. Well, well, well. I haven't seen you since that dashed unfortunate business in the Straits of Gibraltar. I was framed, I tell you. When my ship went down, those swines of the Admiralty impugned my honor. I remember. They claimed that after declaring women and children first, you were found at the head of the lifeboat queue wearing a Rita Hayworth wig, slingbacks, and a bias-cut satin evening dress. <laughs> they accused me of cowardice. <gasps> How dare they? Have they no idea how brave one has to be to get away with leopard print? <laughs> yes, besides which, the whole crew knew you'd been dressing that way since Tangiers. But enough of this pretty talk. You know why I'm here, don't you, Colonel? Of course I know, strange trousers. Even after all these years, I knew you'd search me out. Track me down to the farthest corners of the globe. Hunt me stealthily through the densest jungles of the darkest recesses of the blackest human soul. Like the relentless wombat stalking a solitary marsupial. I knew you wouldn't be able to resist. But it's no good, I tell you. You won't obtain satisfaction from me. Not now. Not today. Not ever. I know what you want and you won't get it. And you know why? Why? I'm skint. <laughs> you fool, shirts. This isn't about that eight shillings and sixpence. Ah, but you remember the exact amount, don't you? I'm not concerned with money. Are you sure? Yes. In that case, lend us a fiver, will you? Not likely. Worth a try, I suppose. 
So what do you want, then? I'm here to find the cause of the plague of yokelism which is ravaging England. Oh, that. Well, that's easy. I know all about that. You do? Of course. I've been studying the ways of these primitive East Anglian tribes for years. It all began a few months back. Just across the moors from here, in the village of Tropping Sholly. The village of Tropping Sholly? That's right. There be strange, mysterious goings on around there. By here. Around there. What did you say, Shirts? Oh, nothing, old boy. And what are those bells doing on your ankles? Those, they, um, well, they, they, they work wonders on the gout, they do. My God, where's that damned music coming from? Ah, the music, the music, I can't resist it. Don't listen to it, shirts. Ah, ah, come here, my darling, join the dance, why won't he? Stay back, shirts. Or you'll leave me no choice but to use this! Oh, damn it! I knew I shouldn't have shot that cabbie! Come here, my lover! Stay back, do you hear? I have a concertina file, and I'm not afraid to use it! Will Bentley's strange trousers survive Colonel Shirt's crazed Terpsichorean assault? And if he does, will he ever get his eight shillings and sixpence back? What are the mysterious goings-on that are going on in the village of Tropping Sholly? Could Professor Littlewoman's pair of domesticated yokels win best in show at Crofts? <laughs> and might the mysterious concertina file provide the writers with an easy, if entirely implausible, way out of this unlikely cliffhanger? To find out, tune in for episode three, The Yellow Peril. The Heart of Darkness was written by Darren Gooding with Damien Bell and performed by Damien Bell, Mary Bolan, Sarah Jane Derrick, Darren Gooding, Dave Hughes, Dre McKee, Richard Potter and Sarah Ellen Young. Music, sound, engineering and recording was by Darren Tansley. Original title theme by Tina Gooding. Foley sound effects were performed by Matthew Orchard. The podcast was recorded at Colchester Arts Centre and is an I Hear Voices Theatre Company production.